Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Banks that are $100 billion or above in asset size are too big to fail, and they're systemically risky to the economy. Welcome to episode 55 of The Great Fail, a podcast that examines the greatest success stories and their spectacular fails. What led to the demise of the most prolific people, brands, and companies. I am your host, Deborah Chen, and this week we'll be looking at Silicon Valley Bank. The air was tense in the corporate offices of SVB Financial Group, the parent company of Silicon Valley Bank, as executives and board members gathered amidst a brewing storm. In the evening hours of March 8, 2023, the company had received news that S&P and Moody's, two out of the big three credit rating agencies, had downgraded the bank's credit announcing to the outside world that it was unstable and a risk for anyone who might deposit their money into it. Although this had not come as a total surprise to the executives at the senior level, what occurred next would. As soon as news of the downgrade became public, alarm bells rang and investors and clients, including venture capitalists, prominent startups, and investors alike, began urging their social media followers to withdraw their funds and deposits from Silicon Valley Bank. The panic spread, leading to a bank run. And by the next day, Silicon Valley Bank's customers had reportedly attempted to withdraw $42 billion altogether. The once thriving bank was now teetering on the verge of ruin. The aftermath saw a swift and merciless collapse. As the bank's financial infrastructure buckled under the strain of panicked withdrawals, we now know this as the second largest bank fail in U.S. history. Welcome to the story of Silicon Valley Bank, betting it all in 1983, going bust in 2023. (laughs) 
I'm so excited to launch season three of The Great Fail. We promise the season to be filled with the twists and turns through some of the greatest corporate flops, giving you a front row seat into what went down, why, and more importantly, how it could have been avoided. The start of 2023 could not have been more drama-filled as we watch one of the nation's largest banks unravel. Now, you don't need a finance or economics degree to understand that when a bank goes under, it's pretty alarming. And our banking system, as the backbone of our economy, is the foundation of our society. And seeing that a bank, which is regarded as the safest place to put our hard-earned cash, could actually fold, leaves us feeling, well, vulnerable to the entire financial system and questions our safety and security. If banks aren't safe, then what is? What's even more baffling is that the fall of Silicon Valley Bank created such a ripple effect that subsequently it led to other casualties, including Signature Bank and Silvergate Bank shortly thereafter. Here's what we should know. The fall of Silicon Valley Bank is not as complex as people may think. It was a culmination of poor management, too much exposure to risk, unfortunate circumstances, and then a panic that not only spread like an airborne disease, but played out like a self-fulfilling prophecy. In this episode, we'll have Professor Mark T. Williams, who lectures on finance and risk management at Boston University's Questrom School of Business. With over three decades of experience in the world of finance and during his tenure as bank trust officer and bank examiner for the Federal Reserve Bank, Mark serves as a subject matter expert in analyzing risk, which is vital to understanding just what went wrong with Silicon Valley Bank. In 1983, during a poker game, Wells Fargo executive Bill Biggerstaff and Stanford University professor Robert Medeiros came up with the idea of creating a bank that catered to startup companies. Both men were avid tennis buddies and were also former bank managers at Bank of America and understood the system well, seeing a need in the market to serve innovative young companies that lacked revenue early on. What sounded like a back-of-a-napkin idea turned into reality when they hired Roger V. Smith as president and CEO. Smith was at the time Wells Fargo's head of high-tech lending and helped put some real muscles behind the concept. And in a blink of an eye, the group secured 100 investors, including an NFL quarterback and a well-connected politician. The venture quickly gained credibility. It was a vision that was honorable, what they understood was the banking system at that time did not understand or accommodate the startup hustle. That even though many of these ventures suffered a lack of revenue early on, they held very little in assets during the launch phase. But a successful startup had the potential to disrupt entire markets and industries and ultimately captured a lot of upside. And so by supporting these companies, Silicon Valley Bank would be fueling innovation providing opportunities for growth, and that made them pretty groundbreaking. By 1987, Silicon Valley Bank had outgrown their first office in San Jose, California, and expanded east, as well as begin trading on the NASDAQ. But still, by no means did it reach the magnitude of one of the largest banks, given their niche. Until 2020. Here's Professor Williams. Silicon Valley Bank itself used to be a very smallish bank. I mean, even by 2015, it was 
really only about $35 billion in asset size. So it really was not a big player. What happened dramatically, though, in the last four years was that it tripled its deposit base. And it did it by focusing on a risky area, including tech and also cryptocurrency. The COVID-19 pandemic turned the tide for Silicon Valley Bank. They had been a lender for some time, but by 2020, markets began recovering. And in 2021, we saw the stock market grow exponentially. Double-digit growth in the S&P 500, Dow Jones Industrial Average, and NASDAQ Composite. As a result, startups saw a boom, which meant SVB's client base did too, as they increased their deposits into the bank. By December 2022, SVB had become one of the 20th largest banks in the country, holding $209 billion in assets and $175 billion in deposits, making it a force to be reckoned with. What SVB wasn't prepared for were the churning waters of high-risk investing that would be turning into a tidal wave of financial ruin. There were several factors that spurred the unraveling of SVB. Keep in mind, their client base included some of the most disruptive companies pushing the envelope in industries like tech, life sciences, consumer products, and even crypto. Companies like e-commerce giant Etsy, household streaming staple Roku, the popular video game company Roblox, and the financial service company Circle. Silicon Valley Bank was unlike any other commercial bank in the U.S. in the sense that it was extremely focused on high-risk-taking customers, including the tech industry as well as the cryptocurrency industry. As a result, as these two segments did well, the bank would do well. The strength of their unique business and clientele made for the possibility of really high returns. But it also came with some obvious risk. Sure, when things are good, it's all moonlight and roses, but many in this community were also involved in crypto, which had recently seen its own moment of panic and real challenges, to say the least. In 2022, we saw an IPO drought hit, gutting funding for tech startups, while mergers and acquisitions also came to a halt. Who would be buying companies at this time? Everyone held their wallets tightly shut, and so it's safe to assume that the lack of diversity among SVB's customers meant that the bank was feeling the effects of these factors more so than other banks. Other banks that had a much more diversified client base. Well, Silicon Valley Bank itself had a very concentrated customer base, mostly the tech elite from California itself. About 50% of the venture capital community that actually funded the tech ventures in California were customers of Silicon Valley Bank. It had 17 branches across the United States, so it was a significant player. So they they concentrated the risk on one customer base. And as long as those customers, the tech elite had done well, then actually the bank would do well. The tech startups themselves would get funding to the venture capital community. And of course, they would park their money at Silicon Valley Bank. And over the years, as more money came in, Silicon Valley Bank grew. But actually, storm clouds started to grow in 2022. 
Federal Reserve started increasing interest rates, inflation became the focus of the economy, and all of a sudden the tech venture industry started to slow down dramatically. For those of you who never really thought about what banks do with your deposit money, here's Professor Williams breaking it down. A normal commercial bank takes in deposits, and the agreement with depositors is you deposit with the bank, and the bank in turn is going to lend that money out. And the difference between what they pay you as a depositor and what they receive by lending it back out is their profit. So the understanding for depositors is is, as long as they invest within the bank as a deposit, then the money should be safe, and then the bank will function. In SVB's case, with the extra billions of dollars that came in in 2020 and 2021, they invested a lot of that in long-term government bonds, treasury bonds, and mortgage-backed securities. They're typically safe and secure investments. However, when the market began to take a hit, SVB invested in longer-term bonds that could take 5, 10, and even 30 years to mature because the longer wait time meant they could get a higher return on the investments. So Silicon Valley Bank was like any typical commercial bank in the sense that it would take in deposits and it would actually lend those deposits back out. And the difference was the interest rate spread or its profit. But what made Silicon Valley Bank so unusual is the fact that their deposit growth grew so dramatically, it tripled within two years between 2020 and 2022, they had to actually take that flood of billions and billions of dollars and put it into something. So unlike a typical commercial bank that would actually put it in loans, they decided to park that money in 10 to 15-year maturity treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. So this commercial bank itself was really not a commercial bank, but it was actually a mortgage-backed securities hedge fund disguised as a commercial bank. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Silicon Valley Bank had committed a cardinal sin in banking, lack of diversification. Other banks mixed up their investments with one or two year maturity bonds in addition to the longer maturing ones. But in this case, SVB needed to get higher generating assets. As their clients started facing prolonged hardship, more of them started to withdraw funds to keep their business running. Simultaneously at the backdrop, we saw the Federal Reserve raise interest rates, seven times actually, in 2022, to try to help curb inflation. One of the Achilles heels for Silicon Valley Bank 
was that it brought in deposits, roughly 90% of those deposits were non-insured. So what that meant was depositors themselves represented hot money. They weren't loyal to the bank at all. So unless they received higher interest rates or they had clear protection or that the bank would survive, they would pull their money out. Silicon Valley Bank never really understood that these depositors were not loyal, that it was just hot money. And so as these deposits, billions and billions of dollars came in in 2021 and 2022, they invested them in low interest rate mortgage-backed securities, bonds, as well as treasuries. Now, by 2022, interest rates went up dramatically. The Fed increased interest rates 19-fold from where they were at their low, almost zero interest rates. So these, these assets that the bank had purchased, thinking that they were very smart, turned out to be very bad investments. As interest rates went up, the value of these bonds, holding these bonds, went down. Rising rates led SVB's bond values to plunge. They had put all of their eggs into the long-term bonds, which were so adversely affected by the drop in rates. In 2023, SVB's $21 billion bond portfolio was only yielding 1.79%, while the 10-year Treasury yield was at 3.9%. They might as well have been investing in failing stocks. And this was what raised flags for credit agencies S&P and Moody's, who forewarned the management at SVB that they would be downgrading the bank. These ratings are meant to provide a metric to depositors, funders, and investors to assess how secure the bank is. SVB responded with a contingency plan, a two-part Hail Mary strategy that would be their attempt to have rescued the bank. First, they would sell their 21 billion low-yielding bond securities and then reinvest those proceeds into assets that delivered higher returns with the hope that they would improve the value of their holdings before the public got wind of the downgrade and to show everyone that the bank was salvageable. Except it wasn't. The plan fell through and by the time Moody's ratings hit, so had a contagious panic. By the second week of March, Silicon Valley had to announce that it sold roughly $24 billion worth of bonds at a rough loss of $1.8 billion. So that was a dramatic loss for this bank. And once they announced it, it further reinforced to depositors that they needed to get their money out. And a faster bank run occurred as a result of it. I had read somewhere once that banks don't fail because of earnings losses. They fail because of deposits and funding that are pulled out of hysteria and fear. Even when banks are underperforming on investments, the flow of deposits and withdrawals keep the institutions in business. Here we saw the fragility in that what people feared the most had caused reactions that led to the worst situation imaginable a true definition of a self-fulfilling prophecy and a tragic ending into Silicon Valley Bank. So they started pulling money out of Silicon Valley Bank and very quickly by March of 2023, Silicon Valley Bank was really at a crisis. In one single day on March 9th, Silicon Valley Bank had $42 billion of deposit money pulled. Now, this is a bank that only had roughly $16 billion in capital. 
So it had to scramble very quickly. And fortunately, by the 10th, by that Friday, March 10th, they collapsed. Since the capital raise had failed, SVB shifted gears to find a buyer for the bank. But that attempt failed as well, ending the bank's incredible 40-year run serving the venture capital community. And where was the chief risk officer during that time? Well, nowhere. Because for most of 2022, the company didn't have one. Two days after SVB fell, the $100 billion signature bank and crypto-friendly bank Silvergate also buckled. One of the sad things about Silicon Valley Bank is it had the opportunity to actually grow in measured ways if it hadn't taken excessive risk. When we think about what led to the death of SVB, it's worth discussing that one of the key points revealed during the saga was that for eight months, the firm did not have a chief risk officer. That role sat empty, and some analysts speculate that this led to the firm absorbing higher level of risk tolerance than necessary. By law, large banks with at least $50 billion in assets are required to have a risk committee that reports to the company's board. SVB did not. This banking meltdown has highlighted some critical oversights, but there are bigger factors at play, as well as bigger questions to ask about how these institutions operate. The failure of Silicon Valley Bank, second largest bank failure in U.S. history, and then finally followed by Signature Bank, the third largest failure in U.S. history, all point to important lessons, and that is that banks that are $100 billion or above in asset size are too big to fail, and they're systemically risky to the economy. So our economy itself, the U.S. economy, can only be as strong or as weak as these size banks. So this really brings into question what should be the role of banks, how much risk should they be taking, Should they have concentrated bets in such narrow sectors, risky sectors like crypto and technology? And then finally, when we think about these banks themselves, what is the ultimate role for society? Is it to gamble with depositor money or is it to serve as sort of a safety net and a foundation for our financial system? So these are all the questions that are being circulated around now and also the role of the federal government in regulating these risk-taking banks. We go back to the original bank runs of 1929 through 33, when a third of the U.S. banks went bankrupt, so 10,000 banks disappeared. Those bank runs happened through word of mouth, and of course, that was way before social media. Social media just sped up the communication and the speed in which bank runs can happen. I think that was the big lesson learned here through Silicon Valley Bank and also Signature Bank. And also the influence and the influencers such as the venture capital community where one tweet from a venture capitalist could actually spur this sort of bank run. The power of the internet, right? The double-edged sword. That's really what's happened here. For a brief moment, SVB was a superstar. 
it was in a symbiotic relationship with the startup sector that was enjoying a huge amount of success and promise, harvesting revenue and funding that flowed through the bank. But SVB failed at its stewardship of these huge amounts of money, taking on too much risk. And when fees turned to famine, forcing clients to reach for their rainy day funds to hold them over, SVB couldn't deliver. And even more quickly, as their big-name investors helped them establish themselves in 1983, their 2023 investors and clients closed it down with a series of texts and tweets. With the rapid proliferation of communication via social media, we've witnessed how quickly ideas go viral, both in good ways and in bad. Some may say that SVB's fate was inevitable, but others may argue that expectations and emotions drive the markets. Whatever the desire that drives the capital markets, whether to seek profit, seek stability, the hope is to find equilibrium again. I don't know if it's prophetic or poetic, but I see the Silicon Valley Bank story ironically play out like a three-part tragedy. Starting at the poker table, going all in, and then folding like a house of cards. Special thanks to Professor Mark T. Williams for his contributions to this episode and sharing his insights on what led to the downfall of Silicon Valley Bank. And thank you for tuning in this week to The Great Fail, a program that spotlights some of the most infamous case studies of failed businesses, brands, and ideas, and goes beyond that to garner lessons and wisdom so that we all can learn from the greatest mistakes. The Great Fail is part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcast. The research on each episode is extensive, but none of these episodes would be possible without the tireless efforts of researchers, writers, and reporters. They are all credited on thegreatfail.com under our show notes. Connect with us at The Great Fail on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so that we can continue bringing you more episodes. And remember, with great failure comes great liability. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.